Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you as to what was your key takeout from today's session by writing a review in Apple Podcast with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, Please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and you will receive a one-hour life coaching session for free, valued $500, to help you change your life for the better or to help you get unstuck if you are currently going through a transition or if you need a little motivation. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Talia Delju. Talia is a positive psychology expert and transformational life coach helping people connect to their power and purpose. With her three cornerstones of psychology, mindset and spirituality, she supports clients in connecting to and embodying their authentic selves, making space to explore the deepest facets of who they are in an effort to cultivate meaningful and rich inner lives. As an international speaker, she has shared her insights on how to create and manifest a fulfilling life alongside the likes of Deepak Chopra, Jen Sincero, Adam Grant, and has had the privilege of speaking to a wide variety of audiences. With a master's degree in positive psychology from Claremont Graduate University, Talia had the honor of learning from a founding pioneer of the field himself, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, where she focused her studies on how we shape our identities, define who we are, and optimize our experiences in order to lead a high-quality life. Her work continues to be featured across platforms, including Forbes, Fortune, Business Insider, and much more. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you are at on this side of the earth or the other side. And I've got this beautiful Talia Daljur from Atlanta. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm so thrilled to be here. And just in the short amount of time we've already had to connect, I'm just beyond thrilled to see where this conversation goes and how we can serve whoever's showing up listening today. 
Mm, me too. And I just love your energy. We've only had a, a, a little time to connect this morning, but it is awesome. And I can't wait to hear where this goes as well. So the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Talia, tell us what inspired you to do what you do today? Mm, yes, I love this question and I love sharing it and telling telling the story. I think storytelling is such a beautiful way to help make sense of our lives and, and bring some meaning into, into life. And so for me, what brought me to this point and place of, of serving as a life coach in my work today, you know, it really started in early childhood, you know, in, in the observations I had within my own family and more specifically with my mom and really just watching her throughout my life struggle to find herself um, and just kind of witness the ups and downs and the the transitions as she was navigating and, and searching for herself in you know, in places that that never really lasted, right? That never really gave her what she was looking for. It just filled me with questions, questions like, where do we get our true sense of self from? Questions like, how do we better navigate transitions and change? Questions like, how do we make informed decisions about who we want to be in the world and how we want to show up in the world? And all of that led me to study psychology, um, for four years at American University, and that led me, you know, it's truly a story of one thing just kind of led to the next, and I just followed what felt good and followed my curiosity and ended up working as a leadership consultant outside of school for a year, traveling to 30 schools, living out of one suitcase on an airplane every six days, and having conversations with women about what was next and about what success meant and looked like for them and, and you know, how are you how are you thinking about your future how are you how are you setting yourself up for a future that feels good to you and that feels you know not just empowered and empowering but authentic and aligned with who you know yourself to be and your strengths and your values and so all of that took me to lots of books lots of reading as i was traveling one of those books was flow by a beautiful man named mahali chiksepmihai and I remember turning to the back of the book and just basically being like, wherever this man is doing his research, wherever he is, I need to go find him. I need to go study all of this work. And that led me to receiving my master's degree in positive psychology, which in short is the science and study of what makes life worth living, meaning, purpose, happiness, and everything in between. And really it was about finally finding answers to those questions I had been asking my whole life through witnessing and observing not just my mom, but so many others go through similar pains and, and kind of twists and turns and whatnot. And so that that really was it for me. After graduating school, there was no question. It was, how can I serve people in these spaces and places of questioning and of really, you know, trying to figure out who they are and what they want and and what's next. And so, you know, today my work is very much about that. It's about how do we create a life that feels on purpose? What does purpose even mean? And how do we make sure that we're really setting ourselves up to win every day and to be our, you know, on our own side with the decisions we're making for ourselves? So long story long, long story short, that's that's the story of, of where it began and how it's brought me to where I am today. Mm, I love that. And I think that we've had a couple of women on the show and we talk about purpose. So 
Give us your definition of purpose. What is purpose? Mm, I love this question. So, you know, before I answer, I want to just kind of presence that, in my opinion, purpose is a very, it's a person, it's a personal thing. You know, my definition of it is not the definition, is not the right definition, is not the one definition of purpose. It's the way I define it. Uh, Yeah, the way I define it that feels good to me. So for me, purpose is really about being in my most authentic expression and serving from that place, contributing with my innate natural gifts. Um, and, you know, I talk about how purpose for me is, is kind of this alignment, this overlap between who you are and what you do. And when I talk about my purpose as a coach and being in my purpose, you know, coaching is not what I do. It's, it's truly who I am. Even if I wasn't this type of coach in this type of business, I would still be coaching in some way, even if it were in a totally different type of role, different type of company, different line of work. It's just who I am. It's the essence. It's the essence of who I am. And so it's, it's about tuning into that, you know, truthful, full expression and then saying, okay, well, how does this want to manifest at this stage in my life? How do I find work that's in alignment with that? How do I find work that makes me feel more like me and gets me into that place of, of deep and full expression? So that for me is kind of how I, I frame purpose. Um, you know, when I think about people who found their purpose. And I ask this question often when people ask me, you know, how do you define purpose? I, I throw it kind of right back at them and I say, well, who's someone you think has found their purpose and what makes you think they found it? And often it's it's a quality about their character, right? It's It's something about the way they show up. It's something about how themselves they are in all parts of life. And um, I think that's a really great first step for people who are trying to struggle in defining purpose, it's just to look at who you think has found it, what's the model of purpose in your life, and and what makes you think that that person's found it. And typically, there's, there's some information there in terms of what you're also seeking to cultivate within yourself. Mm, I love that. And I think that, I think that uh, goes back to what we were talking about before we came on the show, was the uh, you asked me a question about the show and I said to you that um, what lights me up about the show is about giving back to the com- community and mm-hmm. when I am doing that and I'm hearing people come back to us and tell us that you know they were inspired by a certain um, uh, an interview or they made changes I feel like I'm on purpose and it could be just a, it could even be a state of being just knowing that what you are doing you're on purpose. Yes. Yes, knowing that there's an impact, knowing that that it's contributing in some way that you decide is meaningful to you. That's a beautiful way to put it. Now, I'd love to. I know before we got on the show we talked about uh, this thing that you've got on the the offering, I should say. I shouldn't call it a thing, yeah. but I love the way that you've put, you've got breakthrough your bullshit with seven days of discomfort. That really got me very curious. So I'd love to unpack that. Sure, yeah. I love talking about this. And it really came out of such an interesting place. So a little bit of backstory. Um, you know, I myself as a coach am constantly in the work myself, constantly working with coaches of my own, life coaches, business coaches, healers, mentors. And about this time last summer, I started working with a coach um, 
in a community of other coaches, which was beautiful in itself, just being surrounded by other people who were in the work as well. And I remember having a conversation with him being witnessed by, you know, a couple, maybe a couple hundred people were actually on this call listening in and watching. And, and I kind of had just this 10 minute chunk of time where eyes were on me and he's like, you know, what is, what is it that I can support you in? Where do you need some coaching? And, you know, what I brought to him was essentially this pattern I had noticed in myself where, you know, we can call it playing small, but really it was, it was the, this part of me that felt like I had to um, hide what was good about my life. And that was so afraid of making other people uncomfortable and so afraid of what people might feel about themselves and just feeling the sense of, you know, responsibility for how other people felt, not just about me, but about themselves. And it was just this very kind of tangled, energetic um, obstacle that I was really needing some support with. And so within, you know, 30 seconds, he just looks at me and he says, you are a walking apology. That's what you are. And it felt like a slap in the face. I remember immediately having this very intense emotional reaction and him just saying over and over again, you're a walking apology. You're apologizing for your life. You're apologizing for your existence. You're apologizing for who you are. And you're so afraid of making people uncomfortable. But what you're failing to recognize is that discomfort is where we grow the most. So what if you make somebody uncomfortable? If you're, if you're trying to like, if you're trying to protect somebody from that discomfort and, and pain, you're actually robbing them from an opportunity to learn a lesson, to grow, to, you know, confront a part of themselves that has nothing to do with you. And so he challenged me. It started out as a personal challenge that's now become kind of this social media challenge that I run once a year. But he challenged me to seven days of discomfort. He said every day for the next seven days. I want you to get online. I want you to get on Instagram, on video, and I want you to share the things about yourself that you're so afraid of sharing because of the discomfort it might create for somebody else, whether it's something that feels boastful or something that feels showy or something that feels whatever it might be, just something you have resistance and hesitation around seven days. We're all watching. Go. <laughs> And, and that was the beginning of the seven days of discomfort. So one, one time a day for seven days, I, you know, kind of had to really be honest with myself and say, what's the uncomfortable thing today? What's going to get me to my edge today? What's going to force me to show up in my fullest expression and my truth and my authenticity and my vulnerability. And, you know, it ranged from, sharing videos of me as a kid, speaking Farsi, which was my first language, to sharing a photo of me in, you know, lingerie, which is very unlike me. I'm very much kind of covered up all the time. I don't really show myself or show my body. And and even there was like, why? What is it that I'm hiding? What is it that I'm afraid of? And so it was just such a transformative week for me. And the response was absolutely incredible. I had people reach out within days saying, what was this challenge? How do I do it? This seems so freeing for you. Can I do it with you next time? And, you know, about a month or two later, we had a couple hundred people who were signed up to do this seven day social media challenge. And it was one of the most life giving things to witness other people go through these seven days to see the community that came you know, that, that really formed through the seven days to see how much people cheered each other on and, and, 
celebrated each other through the seven days. And at the end of the week, we all got on a call and, and had kind of like a closing celebration call. And it was just one of the absolute highlights of, of my time as a business owner in my business. So that's that's the story of the seven days of discomfort. And it will absolutely be something we, we put out at least once a year, uh, just because of A, how good it felt, and B, really the permission, I think, above and, and beyond everything else that came from it, it, it's that it felt like when he challenged me to these seven days of, of sharing these things about myself, it really just kind of felt like permission. There was a part of me that was kind of relieved because I kind of wanted to talk about a lot of the things that I, I did in the seven days, but he somehow gave me permission to do it. And in some ways, held me accountable to doing it. And there was a sense of like relief that also came from that. And I think being able to provide that space and permission to other people now in turn to say, Hey, go where you go, where you don't want to go, <laughs> because there's a party that really actually does want to go there. So that's, that's the story. Mm. So Tali, what do you think it's in the way of uh, people putting themselves out there? Yeah, I think there are so many layers to that. I think the first layer is, is fear of judgment. Um, I think it's it, it comes down to control. I think, and I'll just speak for myself here, it's you know wanting to control how I'm perceived, wanting to control how people feel, wanting to control things so that I can feel safe in the control. So I can feel you know a, a level of predictability. I, I can predict what's going to happen here, which makes me feel in control. And so the fear of judgment, I think, comes up. The the fear of losing control, I think, comes up. Um, and what else I think gets in the way of that is, I think oftentimes, and a part of me wants to kind of generalize this to, to women more broadly, but I do think that, that as women, we tend to, myself included, put our own joy last and we wait for everybody else to be okay and to be happy and to take up space and and oftentimes we leave ourselves out and I think there are a lot of stories there a lot of narratives there that perpetuate that type of mm, disconnection and exclusion so those are just a few things that come to mind initially before we came on the show, we talked about doubt. Do you think that sometimes, because as you were explaining it, I was thinking for me, geez, you know, I don't know that I could do some of the stuff that you talked about. And I know for me, myself, it took mm -hmm. me years. My team were on my back all the time to do even do some videos. And mm -hmm. um, I think that for me, it was more around doubting my ability, second guessing mm -hmm. myself, as in, you know, what would people think? What would people say? Um, yeah. So very much I found myself getting in my way. What mm -hmm. are your thoughts? Oh, you nailed it. 100%. 100%. I think it's easy to blame other things, other people. But at the end of the day, it's it's really being honest with how you are the one holding yourself back. And and most people know that, you know, every time I have a conversation with somebody who's interested in coaching, one of my questions is once we've clarified where they want to be in six months, I say, okay, well, there's clarity there for you in terms of where you want to be. So tell me, you know, what's preventing that from happening? And nine times out of 10, whoever's on the other line says, oh, I know it's just me, right? It's just me at the end of the day. I'm, I'm the, 
not to say I'm the problem, but I'm I'm the one that's stopping myself from from what I what I want, from where I want to be. So how do you conquer that? So how do you conquer your self doubt or when you find yourself getting in your way? What's the what's your trick? Yeah. So my my first trick is a, a very simple one, and it's it's essentially a game of true or false. <laughs> I think what it really gets you into the practice of doing is, is questioning your thoughts and challenging the thoughts that come up because oftentimes, you know, we're quick to, we're quick to just believe the first thing that comes up. And oftentimes because, you know, our brains are wired for negativity bias, we jump to worst case scenario. We jump to validating our deepest insecurities. We jump to the doubt because there's some protection in the doubt. If we doubt ourselves, we won't risk anything. If we don't risk anything, we stay comfortable and safe. And so for me, that's the first, the first trick I teach people is, okay, the minute that thought, the, the, the doubtful thought, the assumption, the fear, whatever it is comes up in your mind, ask yourself before anything else, is this true? Or might there be another way to look at this? Is this true? Could I prove this if I were to stand in court in front of a judge? Could I prove this as fact? Or is this something that a part of me has created in order to protect me or keep me from pain or, or protect me from failure or, you know, ridicule or judgment or whatever it might be? So that's that step one is really starting to question the truth of these thoughts that come up. Um you know, I think in terms of other tricks, oftentimes, and this might take us in a bit of a different direction, but one of the approaches I use in my work is is informed by what's called the internal family system. So essentially the, the kind of philosophy behind that is that each of us at the seat of our consciousness, the seat of our true self, we are innately, you know, equipped with all these resources, creativity, confidence, um, clarity, connectedness, courage, we've got all these resources, but oftentimes we have a hard time accessing them because there is a part of us that we confuse as our true self, that part of us that feels the doubt. That's not who you are. It's a part of you. So why don't we look at that part and start relating to that part a bit differently, having a conversation with it, writing a letter to it, dear doubt, Here's how you're getting in my way. Please tell me. Let's have a conversation. What do you need from me? Oftentimes these parts just need just need to feel just need some attention. And and I think the longer we abandon keep them separate and, and abandon those parts of ourselves or ignore those parts of ourselves, the louder, the louder they get. So do you think that doubt sometimes? Oh, I don't I don't not sometimes actually, probably all the time. Do you think that doubt serves a purpose? I think all emotions serve a purpose. I think doubt, the purpose doubt serves, this is a great question. I would say, I would, I would say doubt is a form of fear. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, it, it, yeah, absolutely. It could be a form of fear. It's a form of fear. I think, I think in many ways, doubt, uncertainty, insecurity, it's just, different versions and manifestations of fear. So if we talk about doubt as a function of fear or doubt as a cousin of fear, I do think it it serves a function in that it's trying to keep us safe. I think if we look at it that way, you know, at the end of the day, fear wants us to to be safe, happy and healthy as much as we want 
to be happy, healthy, and safe. And so oftentimes things like doubt or fear become things we resist or things we feel like we have to fight or work against. And if we can actually see that we're on the same side, we want the same thing, but there's a part of us that needs to be reassured, that needs to be, um, yeah, that needs to be reassured. So I think the function of doubt to answer your question is, it's almost like a reminder. I think doubt can serve as a really powerful reminder to trust yourself. I think doubt can also function as um, just an indication of what's important to you, right? If you're starting to feel doubt, it's it's, a, it's an indication that, you know, connection and belonging is important to you. You don't want to lose that. Of course, you don't want to lose that. So how do we look at it as an indication of our values and priorities, as opposed to, you know, kind of how it presents itself based on how it looks on the outside, if that makes sense? Absolutely, absolutely, and I totally agree with you. It is, it is for me. It is uh, keeping you safe uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, so I do uh, relate to that. You talked about the internal family system. What, what mm-hmm. is that exactly? Yeah. So the internal family system is essentially this kind of approach and philosophy to the work that posits that you know we kind of as the true self function within within a system and the system itself is comprised of all these different parts, the part of us that longs for love and connection, the part of us that fears rejection, the part of us that's excited for, you know, adventure, the part of us that's uncertain about risk. So there are all these different parts of us that function and revolve kind of around the self. So the self's at the center of all these different parts. And again, oftentimes when, when these parts of us, are ignored or wounded or, you know, go through some sort of trauma, they often blend, they call it blending. These parts blend with our true self and we start to take on the thoughts and the feelings and the consciousness of these parts. Um, But again, it's about unblending these parts from our true self and recognizing, no, there's a different way we can relate to this. And this is, this is separate from who you are. And so there's a beautiful, kind of framework and philosophy around this this work but at the core of it it's that we operate within these systems and that our our kind of role as the true self is to make sure that we're leading from from a place of truth we're leading from that true self not from the fear not from the doubt not from the insecurity not from the uncertainty and how you do that is by unblending these parts from the self and once you're in that kind of seat at the center of the system is where you can access all of those naturally occurring resources. Again, the confidence, the clarity, the courage, the curiosity, the connectedness, the creativity. Um, so that's kind of a, a nutshell version of, of the system itself. Mm, I've got a picture of uh, you being in the kitchen, just the you using the word unblending. Come, you know, mm-hmm. like cooking, uh, <laughs> cooking up a recipe. So how do you unblend? Because I, I was just thinking like when you're blending a cake and you're kind of like, how do you I, do the opposite? How do you unblend? <laughs> yeah, so the unblending happens in, in a couple different steps. The first is in identifying what parts are showing up in whatever the challenge is that you're facing. So oftentimes what we'll do with clients is we'll actually map out 
whatever current system they feel like they're operating in, um, in a particular context, right? So let's say someone's coming to me who is navigating career uncertainty, a career change, and that's not at everyone that I see in my practice, but that tends to be a pretty common um, need for people is I, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am. Um, and so, you know, we'll sit down and we'll map out, okay, well, what are all the parts of you that are showing up? And again, it's maybe there's a part of me that's afraid of failure. There's a part of me that's making the wrong decision. There's a part of me that's very excited for something new. So as we start mapping these parts out, just simply in that practice of identifying parts, you're already starting to kind of see and, and tell yourself that these parts of me are not, are not all of who I am. So the unblending begins just in the identification of the parts. Uh, the next piece to it is in, like I've mentioned before, in relating to each part. So essentially building a relationship to the, the first, the part that feels the most wounded, the most pained, the most tense, and starting to ask yourself, okay, well, how do I feel towards this part of myself? You know, where, where did I leave this part of myself behind? What is this part of me that feels this way? And oftentimes it's, it's, from something that's so unrelated. And, you know, an example I'll give that came up with a client recently in a transition, she was so afraid of making the wrong decision and so afraid there was a part of her that was so afraid of, you know, if things, if I left my job, things would go so badly for my boss and my team and it would be my fault. So there's a part of me that's afraid of things being my fault. So as the practitioner, as the coach, the immediate question is, tell me about the part of you that feels like everything's your fault. And, and within, you know, I get chills even as I recall this experience, because within, within 10 seconds, her and I both very quickly drew a connection to uh, her parents divorcing years back and to her feeling like there was a part of her that still felt like that was her fault. And so the, the healing and the work that gets to happen is, is actually around that, not at all about, it's not about the career stuff anymore. It's about this part of you that's been left behind and that's actually showing up because it needs some, some love and care and attention from you. So when we talk about unblending, that's, that's, you know, an example of how that might look. Thank you so much for that explanation. That is clear as daylight now. Thanks a lot. So the, the next question I have for you, Talia, is throughout your experience and your amazing adventure, what has been your greatest lesson that you have learned thus far? Oh, goodness. Oh, so many lessons. Um, I'd say my great, one of the greatest lessons for me has been in, it's been a lesson in responsibility, a lesson in recognizing you know, what is mine and what is not mine, a lesson in recognizing that I am not responsible for how people feel, nor are they responsible for how I feel. Um, there were definitely some codependent, you know, patterns and whatnot in my life that I've, I've really been called to challenge and to look at and to love on and, um, yeah, to really take take responsibility for myself. Cause I do think there was a part of, 
feeling so consumed by other people that in some ways was just a distraction and a way to kind of avoid taking personal responsibility for my own life. It was like, oh, but they need this and they need me and they need that. And it's like, okay, there's always going to be someone else that needs something, but how about you? Where are you showing up for yourself? So that's that's been a, a recent and big lesson for me. I think we can all relate to that one. And how are you showing up for yourself? What are you doing for you? Yeah, so... You know, practically speaking, I've made a couple pretty meaningful and consistent changes just in the way I spend, not just spend my day, but start my day. Um, It's funny because if anyone who knows me is listening, they're probably laughing because for a long time I was pretty vocal about, you know, morning routines and how I'm not a morning person and how nobody can tell me how to live my life. And I've really taken on such a different perspective when it comes to not just routine, but ritual and the sacredness to ritual. And so how I'm showing up for myself right now is in really creating sacred space at the start of each day, setting boundaries around when my actual work starts, when I, when I have calls with clients, when I have meetings with my team and really, really nurturing and nourishing my body. Um, that was something I definitely neglected as a business owner. It was like, Oh, it's 3 PM. Maybe I should eat something. (laughs) And now the priority, you know, I have a list of non-negotiables now in terms of what I need, what my body's asking for, what my mind is asking for, and just really creating that space and time at the start of the day to set to set the tone because it really is, it's a lot harder to um, bring that slowness into the day once the day takes off. So starting it out more intentionally with some very personal sacred rituals, you know, I've got a sound bowl that I play and I sing to in the mornings. I've got a journal and I, I don't journal extensively, but it's, you know, three questions every morning. What's going to make today great? How could you have made yesterday even better than it was? Um, so those are some of the practices that are really supporting me and showing up for myself. And I think the next kind of iteration or the 2.0 um, practice for me is going to be in setting some boundaries with my family and, you know, my husband and I are starting to think about our own family and starting a family of our own and and thinking about having kids and and how, you know, we're going to need to create space for that. And and that's going to mean clearing out some space and setting some boundaries and having some difficult conversations and as uncomfortable and as scary as some of those feel at the moment, um, they're, waiting for me. And, and it's, it's my responsibility to really start stepping in and, and showing up for myself in those conversations. So that's a little bit of what it's looked like so far. Oh, good on you. That's amazing. And I love that because I've been hearing uh, lots of different people, obviously, with different experiences about not knowing how to create boundaries with family and mm-hmm. uh, feeling overwhelmed that, you know, their family kind of just rocks up whenever they want to. And it's kind of invading <laughs> their space and they're talking about you know, uh, moving states, moving country and all that. No, you have to have the conversation. But Mm -hmm. that in itself can really um, torment someone because they don't know how to have the conversation. Right. Yeah. And and not only that, you're, you're concerned about how others will respond or react to whatever it is that you're going to be speaking to them about. Exactly. Right. It's like, well, I don't want to make them feel like they did something wrong. And I want to make sure that they know it's this and it's that. And and it's just, 
it can uh, it can bring a lot of things up, but it's it's uh, no no excuses in terms of it being. Yeah, there's no excuse. As as hard as it might be, it's still. And this is me just taking, you know, talking to myself out loud here, thinking to myself out loud because I'm quick to jump to the excuses. Oh well, things might just get better on their own. Oh well, let's just wait and see. But I'm just avoiding the. I'm just avoiding the conversations in many ways. Mm, it's okay. I think it's it's it's. Uh, you do a little bit of a cha cha. You move forward three steps back. <laughs> forward three exactly. steps back until it just happens and it's it's really it, you're not you're actually when you come from the heart and you actually stand in your truth and saying this is what we want to create for ourselves the space I'm mm-hmm. sure that they the family will accept that and embrace that and be very excited that you need your space yeah absolutely. once again you know it goes back to what we were talking when we got on the show the assumptions it's those assumptions that we make we assume that someone's going to feel this way or we assume that somebody's going to uh, react or respond a certain way. We don't know till we're actually experiencing it in the moment. Absolutely. You're exactly right. Yeah. I love your uh, morning routines. I've just actually bought myself a Nubian meditation pyramid, which is a, a copper pyramid. And uh, okay. I too, I have a, my morning rituals. I do my morning pages. I do my meditation. I've just done, I like the, the, the point too. I, I've upped, I've, upped the ante a little bit with a pyramid so that has been my fun thing in the mornings and um yeah definitely makes uh is taking the top of my head off in the mornings doing it mm-hmm. mm. yeah once you find the things that that become your non-negotiables it, it took me a while to find it it took me a while to feel excited but I also had read um a beautiful book by James Clear called Atomic Habits and once I read that book I was like okay it's it's about it's about creating the environment it's about finding rituals that are actually going to make you feel good and bring you joy and that you're going to look forward to doing and yeah it might take some time to get there but I look forward to it now and I can't say I can't say I've lived most of my life or much of my life looking forward to waking up in the morning so Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You are, you and I are obviously opposites. I get up at 3.30, 4 o'clock most mornings to do my morning pages and meditate. I'm a morning person. But then, mind you, I go to bed at like 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Right, mm. right. <laughs> so, Talia, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? Authentic. Mm, beautiful. And then the last question that we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is what are three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to give to our listeners today? And that could be like three practical exercises for the audience. Beautiful. I love this. Yeah. Three practical exercises. So the first I'd say is to get into the practice of of playing some true and false with yourself as thoughts come up, as challenges come up, as you start noticing the stories and assumptions and fears and doubts to question, is this true? What might be true instead? What if the opposite were true? And to just play around with those thoughts. The second practical exercise and and little nugget here is to find a part of you, whether it's fear or doubt or, you know, the four-year-old you that, that somehow keeps showing up for your attention to sit down and write a letter to that part of you and to have that part of you write a letter back in response. Maybe that, maybe it's to money. Maybe write a letter to money and a letter back from money. Maybe it's, again, to fear or to some other part of you. But um, that can be quite powerful and just 
clarifying the relationship, clarifying the energetics around the relationship and, and kind of self-healing um, through that process. So that's the second. And then the third thing um, has a little bit to do with how to really just set yourself up to win every day. I love this idea of how do we make sure that every day feels like we're winning in life? And for me, the practical tool and tip here has been at the start of each day, writing down what are, what are three things that are going to make today great? And as simple of a question as that is, it's important to keep it simple, but also important to make sure that the three things are within your own control. And so maybe it's, you know, sitting down to have my cup of tea without interruption. Maybe it's actually taking a break for lunch. Maybe it's calling my friend that I haven't spoken to. It does not have to be related to any one context. It doesn't have to be related to work accomplishments unless you want it to be. But setting yourself up with three things that are going to make the day great kind of starts to hold you accountable and say, okay, well, if you said these three things were going to make today great and they all happen, then that means today was a great day. So I, I love it as a way to define define winning, define success on a day-to-day -day basis. It's been super helpful for me and I hope that serves somebody else listening today. Mm, I love all three. Thank you so very much for sharing. So Talia, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me, I love playing around on Instagram. So that's just at Talia Delju, first name, last name, lots of content, lots of clips from my workshops. I teach lots of free events and free workshops. So if you just follow along on Instagram, you'll see lots of announcements there and uh, lots of information in terms of, you know, upcoming programs and launches and scholarships. So Instagram's the one-stop shop. Great. Thank you so very much. And we'll have that all in the show notes. Tally, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your story and your wealth of wisdom. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Catherine. I loved connecting and, and hope this is not the last time you and I cross paths with each other. I'm sure we will be crossing paths many more times. Thank hope you. Hope so. Thank you again. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.